this topic this Sunday, as you guys have, uh, you guys might know, uh, we'll be talking about uh, divorce and being married to an unbelieving spouse. Right, really fun topics. We went from sex and marriage, how awesome it is, and singleness into divorce and being married to an uh, uh, being married to an unbeliever. Right, uh, and, and so if you're new here, my name is Brian. Uh, that was my wife uh, who was doing the announcements. She is the much prettier one, the good-looking one in the uh, relationship. I think that goes for all of our marriages. Um, <laughs> uh, but, hey, um, w- within this series, we have talked about some tough stuff, right? Uh, so l- let's review, let's review um, what we have been talking about these uh, past, I think, three weeks. Um, so, guys, if, if you could, guys could get those six topics up there. Oh, thank you. Right? Uh, with the... Within this series, we have talked about how the church should deal with sin, okay? We talked about sexual immorality. Uh, we talked about some fun stuff of, of sex within marriage, how guys are microwaves and, and women essentially are, are ovens, and how uh, sex is not everything, right? Sex is not the end goal in, to this life, right? And how singleness, right, we should encourage it. Um, and then here, here comes the topic of divorce, right? These six topics are things that the church and the Christians in Corinth, that they were dealing with, they were concerned about. Uh, they actually asked those questions of, hey, like, what about divorce? What about being married to a spouse who doesn't know, know Jesus, right? What do we do that? What do we do about that? What do we do about, what if we were both unbelievers and we got married and, and someone and then someone came to the faith in Christ. What, what happens? What do we do? Um, and so we're going we're gonna to answer uh, five and six. We're going to go through those. Um, and guys, I, I know that this topic is heavy. This topic can be heavy. This topic is super sensitive. Right? We live in a culture where divorce is normalized, uh, where divorce is, the final, it, it is not just a final answer, but is the first answer, our go-to thing. Uh, when things get tough, right? Uh, divorce, in a way, makes us, shows, might even show us our value. We might feel invalid, like, like man, like, I'm a divorced woman, I'm a divorced man, like, well, what, what's up with that? Um, no one's going to love me, right? Um, but I, before I go any further, I, I really just want you to hear this, okay? That God is gracious, God is forgiving, God wants you. Right? God is gracious, God is forgiving, and God wants you. All right? and, and you're going to hear me say that time and time again uh, as we talk about this topic of divorce because it does, um, it, there, there's two things that could happen, that you're going to get hardened, your heart could be hardened towards uh, God's word, um, or your heart will be softened and, and you'll be led to repentance because of the Holy Spirit within you. Um, all right. And so, again, uh, as I speak on this, I am speaking as Paul is speaking to the church, right? Whatever the world does out there, they're going to do what the world wants to do, right? But the church has to look different. It has to look like what God has called us to be. Um, so l- let, me, let me pray for us, um, and, then, and then we'll get into, into verse 10 and 11, all right? Um, God, uh, 
I pray I can communicate your word clearly um, with boldness and grace. But beyond me, I pray for our people. I pray for your church. Um, I pray for Jericho Road Church in particular uh, and everyone within this room that we will be receptive to your word. Um, that whatever personal experiences that we have with divorce, with being married to an un, to, uh, unbeliever, um, God, that, that doesn't trump the truth of what you are saying. Uh, that we could filter all our feelings, all our experiences through what you are saying. Um, man, God, I, I don't want to talk about this, uh, but your word does. Um, and so, God, I know you're cheering for us. I know you're cheering for us, uh, despite how we may feel. Uh, you are gracious, you're good, you're forgiving, uh, and you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, verse 10 in 1 Corinthians uh, 7, um, starting in verse 10, it says this, uh, To the married, I give you this charge. Not only I, not, not I, but the Lord, right? To the married, I give you this charge. Not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. Okay? But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. Um, it's pretty simple what Paul says. Right? It's really simple what Paul says about divorce, uh, in particular for a married couple, a believing um, married couple where two people who are in love with Jesus, Paul says, hey, divorce in your marriage is not an option. Right? Divorce in your marriage is not an option. I know for some of you, you might have that commitment. You might have that vow to each other to never say the D word, to never say divorce. Right? I know my wife and I don't even play around with that word. We don't even want to entertain the thought of it right? because it is a very powerful word. And Paul says, look, if you are in a marriage right, and you both love Jesus and you know the truth, and he, he simply says divorce is not an option. Divorce is not an option. Um, uh, just to fast forward, there are two options uh, that, that are allowances for divorce, which we'll get to, right? Is being cheated on, and secondly, desertion, right? If someone just straight leaves you, uh, which we'll, we'll get into. Um, but nowadays, right, um, the person who calls for divorce is 50-50, in this culture, it was probably more towards women. So that's why you see that language of if she does this, you give her a certificate of divorce and all that stuff. But nowadays, in, the, in our world, um, it's probably 50-50 where the male calls for divorce or, or, and, and it's done. Right. Um, so here are the four questions we're going to ask today. Here are the four questions we're going to ask. Um, hey, I got a divorce because I... I got cheated on, right? I got cheated on, is that okay? I got remarried and my spouse is still living. Did I commit adultery? Uh, three, uh, is abuse a cause for a divorce? And the fourth, what should I do if my spouse doesn't love Jesus? I'm sure you know uh, the answer to three of those for sure. Um, and that third question is a bit where we gotta kinda dig a little bit, where we kinda gotta dig. Um, and so again, the two allowances for divorce. 
right? The two allowances for divorce. I, I really want you to see uh, what those two allowances are, right? Is that it's adultery, being cheated on, okay? Being cheated on. Uh, and the second is desertion. And what I mean by that is that if an unbelieving spouse in particular wants to leave you, you're free. You're free from the, from the marriage. These are the two, only two options that, that Scripture gives us. Right? All other reasons right, scripturally are, are, are looked down upon. Are looked down upon. And so um, the first two answers to the first two um, obviously are yes. Uh, and so let, let me explain. I just don't want to give you the answers to these and not explain them because that would be really cold. Um, I want us to understand why, right? Why? Uh, why the answers are, they, why they are what they are to these questions. Okay, and so uh, how we're going to do this is if we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture, right? It's called this hermeneutical process. Right, we're going to look at what Paul says, right, to the married, I give the charge not to divorce, right? Uh, if you do divorce, it's better to remain unmarried, okay? Um, and then and we're going to look at why, why Paul gets that answer, and it starts in uh, Matthew 19, 4 through 10. It says this. This is Jesus talking. All right, this is Jesus talking. He says this. He answered... Have you not read that he who created uh, them from the beginning, created Adam and Eve, created male and female from the beginning, made them male and female? And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The two shall become one flesh, right? Um, one flesh is also known as yada, right? That, that's... That's a, I think the Hebrew term to that uh, is, is to know, right? Uh, for another term of just saying sex, right? One flesh is be having sex, right? Uh, verse 6, he says, so they are no longer two, but one, right? What therefore God has joined, let man not separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said uh, to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, uh, but from the beginning it was not so. So what Jesus is referencing there, right, in those last two verses we just read, this certificate of divorce, right, um, he's referencing this Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, where if the wife cheated, the husband was able to give her a paper, uh, I don't know what they used back then, maybe papyrus or a stone, I don't know, <laughs> right? Um, they would give it to the wife and say, and what that, what that paper symbolizes is that this woman is divorced, right? This woman is divorced. And for all of us, right, when we hear about someone who has gone through a divorce, what's the first thing we think about? Oh, man, that's a red flag, right? And, and that's essentially what the certificate was, that, hey, it's a red flag, you might want to stay away from her. And I know it's using this, this female a lot uh, because it was probably more apt uh, in this time frame during in the Old Testament where the woman would leave, right? But again, I want to reference today that it's probably 50-50. Right? 
this certificate of divorce, right, was this gracious thing that if you got cheated on, you were free from marital, from the marital hurt that you could be experiencing. I don't know what it's like to be cheated on. Some of us don't know, but some of us do understand what it's like to be cheated on. Some of us might have even been the cheater. So Jesus goes on and, and, and he says, this, this is where we get uh, the answer from the first two. He says, and I say to you, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, except for adultery, except for being cheated on, and marries another, commits adultery. The disciple said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. It's better not to marry. Um, guys, I, I, again, I know this is heavy. I know this is the last thing you want to be talking about. Um, but you as messengers, right, you have the ability to protect the lower generation under us. To let them know that marriage is hard. To let them know that the decision of who they want to marry is very, very important. Right. So let's go through that first question in detail. Question number one, I got a divorce because I got cheated on. Is that okay? Uh, and the answer is yes. It's a simple, simple yes. If you got cheated on, what Scripture tells us, right, according to Jesus, right, um, if your spouse cheated on you, that's every reason for you to say, hey, this is over. This is over. Right? This is it. And some of you guys have experienced that, and I'm so sorry that you had to go through that pain. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. But I want you to know that you are not alone. I'm not saying that other people have experienced that or, or whatever. No, God is with you. He understands what it's like to be betrayed. Right? We divorce the Lord. We divorce Jesus when we sinned, when we chose to sin, right? when we chose to, to lie or look at something we shouldn't have been looking at, when we chose to, to speed on the highway, right? Uh, when, we, when we chose to call our wife a certain name, right? Uh, when our wife has called us a certain name, right? We, we chose this. Jesus understands your pain. He understands what it's like to be left at the altar. He understands what it's like to have this mess of a divorce. He gets it. That's what we did to him from the beginning, and we still continue to do so. But there are these two words that Paul says, these two words that exemplify Jesus' work on the cross, and it's be reconciled. Be reconciled. Right? And the, here's what reconcilia reconciliation means, right? Here's what Paul is saying is bringing two hostile things back together into unity. Right? Paul says this. Please be reconciled. Um, people up there, can, can you please uh, keep track with me on this? To the next slide. Right? This is the motivation, right, to not divorce, right, is bringing two hostile things back together into unity. Right? I understand. I shouldn't say I understand. But the first question 
the answer being yes, yes, you may get a divorce, right? That should be your last option. Okay? Your first option before getting divorced should be separation. It should be counseling. It should be getting help for your marriage. Okay? It should be this thing, reconciliation, because this is what Jesus did. Right? If Jesus left us at the altar, right, we would have no hope. We would have no reason for this. This whole church thing is just a sham. But Jesus didn't leave us at the altar. He fought for us. He loved on us, right? And he, his work was completed so that we would no longer be hostile to God, right? Uh, but, but we would be at peace with him. And so when, um, when you have been cheated on, when you have been hurt within marriage, the goal is to be reconciled. That should be your first go-to thing. How can I save the marriage? How can I save the marriage? Not for just the sake of your family. Yes for, okay, yes, for the sake of your family and for your kids. Because I'm sure all of us have seen what messy divorces look like. right? I think in youth group we see it all the time. Hey, are you coming to youth group? No, I got to be with my dad at this time. I got to talk to the stepdad. I got to talk to the other stepdad that is involved. Right? It's just a messy, messy thing. Right? Our first go-to reaction when you have been hurt should be reconciliation. But if, if that doesn't work, right, if you can't reconcile and you were cheated on, this is God's grace on us. This is God's grace on you. Um, the victim of being cheated on, he says, you can leave. It's okay. I hope that you fought as hard as Jesus fought. I hope you fought for your marriage as hard as Jesus fought for us. Um, and if you've done all of that, awesome. And if you can't stand it, if you can't, if you can't stay in that marriage because of a cheater, Jesus simply just says, it's okay. You can leave. Um, second question. He says this uh, in, in, in the second question um, that we're all probably all asking or probably know the answer to. He says, I got remarried and my spouse is still living. Did I commit adultery? Did I commit adultery? And that answer is simply yes. Right, according to 1 Corinthians 7, according to Matthew uh, 19, where Jesus says, right, if you get a divorce other than, right, other than um, being cheated on, yes, you did commit adultery. Right? I know that, I know a lot of this sounds condemning and judgmental, um, but that's not my goal. Okay, that's not my goal. My goal is not to shame you. My goal is not to guilt you into anything, right? Uh, but it's just to show you this, this is, how serious Jesus takes marriage. This is how, how serious Scripture takes marriage because our world will tell you, again, like last week, uh, what, what we shared, that our world will just tell you that marriage is just a piece of paper. No, it's not a piece of paper. It's a human. It's a human connecting to another human. It's a human saying, hey, I, my body is no longer mine, but it belongs to you and vice versa. It's more than that. And so, it, it, right, if you did remarry, if you did remarry, uh, not on the grounds of those two things of desertion and 
and uh, being cheated on, if you did remarry and you did commit adultery, uh, right, I hope that you came to Jesus and just asked him for forgiveness and said, God, I'm sorry for doing this. If you are remarried, I pray that you will stay remarried. I pray that you will stay with that second marriage or third marriage because, right, God is not going to be like, oh, man, you committed adultery now. You got to go through a divorce uh, because you committed adultery. No, why would he tell you to sin a second time? Right? I, I think the, one of the reasons why um, Scripture is, is so tough on marriages and, and so adamant about people staying together, right, um, and so adamant about you being single, uh, remaining single, as Paul says, right, it's better just to, for them remain unmarried, is because um, if your first marriage didn't work out, right, how much harder is your second one going to be? If your second one didn't work out, how much harder is your third one going to be? Right? Especially if you have kids and you have multiple husbands and, and wives, right? That, that's really hard on your kids. Yes, you might feel lonely, but how about your kids? The example that you're setting for your kids is that it's okay to remarry time and time and time again. And I think this is why Paul encourages, hey, it's better to remain unmarried for the sake, right, not just for your sake, but maybe people who are watching under you, who are following you, who are listening to you. If you were cheated on, right, God loves you. He gets you. He understands. If you remarried and committed adultery, God loves you, right? He forgives you, okay? And he wants your second marriage to succeed. He wants it to be successful. But you sure better fight for it. You sure better do those two words that Paul says. He says, be reconciled. Right? When it gets hard, you better, that should be your main motivation. The gospel of what Jesus did, right? He fought for us. You better fight as hard as Jesus fought for your marriage so it does not end. Second thing, uh, third question, right? This is where, um, this is where I, I really struggled, uh, where I really had to pray, um, because there's a lot of people who have asked me, uh, even outside of the church, is divorce okay uh, if I'm getting abused, right? You're going to get those hardcore Baptists who say, abuse is not in the Scripture. Yeah, it's true, it's not. Abuse is not in the Scripture, right? Jesus does not say if your husband or your wife is verbally, physically, emotionally, right, financially abusing you, right, then you could get divorced. That's not, that's not in Scripture at all. Um, but here is what's in Scripture, right? Um, is divorce a cause, uh, is abuse a cause for a divorce? Here what is in Scripture is that uh, it can be because God hates violence. God hates violence. He is not a God who is saying, I love when people fight. I love when a husband beats his wife. I love when a wife just verbally abuses the husband. I love that. No, God is not about that life. Right? It, it, scripture is pretty clear about the characteristic of who God is. He says in Proverbs 3, 31, it says, Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. It says, if someone is in love with violence... Don't look up to that. 
That is not cool. There's a difference when you have to go to war and fight for something, right? But there's a difference when someone just loves violence and loves punching things, right, for no reason or uh, loves violence to get their way. God hates that. Second thing, right, the Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. A lot of us, right, we love action movies. We love the action scene, right? One of, some of my favorite movie series is John Wick, right? Uh, John Wick 1, 2, 3, 4, right? I just love the idea of how he kills people. It's so creative, right? But then my mind starts getting to that moment where like, wow, why am I loving the way John Wick just shot that dude in the eyeball, right? Why am I loving the way that he just killed that dude with a pen, right? One of my favorite scenes is, right, Joker, when he just does that magic trick and kills that guy with a pencil, right? Uh, in that moment, I really had to check my heart and say, Say, man, God, am I loving violence? Do I have abusive tendencies? Right? Men, you guys are stronger. And uh, you guys most likely will always be stronger. Right? So if you have that tendency to love violence, I pray that you can look within yourself assess yourself before the Lord and say, man, God, if I'm loving action movies way too much, please help me to just step away from them for a time being. Because what, what we watch, right, what we listen to, right, what we see, all of those things, they can influence our marriage. It can influence how we treat our spouse. Right? You're watching wrestling all the time. At some point, you're going to put your wife in a headlock even if it's just playing around. <laughs> right? Just because you're like, oh, let me try this, ah, right? Let me just try this out, right? Um, but abuse, right? Abuse, is it a call for divorce? It can be. It really can be. Because I don't, I don't, again, I'm going to bring up the government. I don't care how you feel about the government right now. I understand there, the government is corrupt and all that stuff, but Romans, um, says this, right? It says this in Romans 13. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, right? God placed people in the government and said, hey, they are going to be the leader for the time being. And this leader might set up a law, right? He might set up a law, not just to, uh, I don't know, for his own glory, but it could be a law to protect families, right? And our government has laws to protect who, right? A abused spouse, and what does our law say about domestic violence? Separation must happen, right? The spouse got to get away from there. The family has to get away from there, right? And at some point, if the husband or the wife is not repentant of what they have done to their spouse or, or to their family, what happens, right? What happens? Not just separation, right? If the abuse continues, right, is a form of desertion. It's a form of desertion. Okay? Right? I, I know some of you might disagree with that. Right? I know some of you guys might disagree with that. But I think it's pretty clear as far as Scripture goes. That God hates violence. And he says if our law states this, then it is okay to do this. If our law states this, if it's for the good of the human being, right? 
if it's in particular in abuse, if it is to protect the wife, the family, or the husband, right? Separation must happen. And if the spouse is unrepentant and does not want to change, it's no longer a safe space. That spouse, at some point, if they continue abuse, at some point, they deserted the Lord or they never knew the Lord. They had that head knowledge, but not here. They didn't have that heart knowledge. So, is desertion, is, is abuse part of this category of desertion? Yes. Okay, it really can be. And guys, if you are in an abusive relationship, um, my hope is that you ask for help. After, like right now, right? We, we can help point you to the places where you really need to go. Uh, we, we can get this conversation started, right? So we can really help protect you and your family um, and point you to the right people that you need to talk to. Um, last question, right? Uh, because a lot of us, uh, a lot of us have friends who have, um, have friends who are married to, they're in a marriage and there's an unbelieving spouse of some sort, uh, right? Um, what should I do if my spouse doesn't love Jesus? Um, and scripture is pretty, pretty clear about this. And in First uh, Corinthians, he says this, to the rest I say, in verse 12, to the rest I say, not I, the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who, has an, uh, who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him, right? If you're living with a spouse who does not love Jesus, right, and he's committed to staying with you, right, what does Paul say, what does Scripture say? He says, stay with him. That's pretty cool that if you have an unbelieving spouse uh, who wants to stay with you and be committed to you despite your faith, right? Uh, they want to make things work somehow, right? Paul says, make it work. Stay with them, all right? Um, uh, here's why. Here's why you stay with them. In verse 14, it says, for the unbelieving husband, right? The unbelieving husband is made holy because his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, right, your children uh, would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy, right? So if you're in that type of marriage where your spouse does not love Jesus, right, Paul says stay with them. Stay with, with them. Here's why. Because they're committed to you, and not only that, um, at some point, your faith will leak. Your faith will become contagious, maybe, and maybe your unbelieving spouse will end up loving Jesus. Because they see that you're committed they see that you, your love for not just Jesus, but they see your love for them, right? And not only that, if you stay with that unbelieving spouse, right, if you stick with them, your kids see what a good, committed relationship looks like. Again, I can't stress enough that there are kids watching you, listening to you, despite, right, despite you directly talking to them. They hear you. They see you. They see the examples that you are set, setting as far as marriage goes. Right? My parents, right, they, they, they were, they were lovey-dovey. It was kind of gross. Right? Um, some of your parents were probably the same way. 
And some of you guys are pretty open on your PDA, and it kind of grosses me out sometimes, right? But, but, right? But it, it, it's awesome to see because it's like, wow, you guys are in love with each other, right? But just keep it PG, all right? Uh, but, right, you guys are in love with each other. And not only that, right, those kids down there, they're seeing that. They're like, who's that gray-haired dude hugging on his wife? Mom, I saw Grandpa kissing Grandma. Those are awesome things for your kids to look up to. And so this is why Paul says, hey, if, if you're in that type of marriage, stay with, stay with them because your kids are watching. Your kids are watching. Um, and here's the second part in, in verse 15 and 16, he says, but if your unbelieving spouse wants to leave you, here's what Paul says, but if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such a case, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband, or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife, right? This is, here's the second allowance for divorce. Being cheated on, and if your unbelieving spouse is no longer committed to you. Is no longer committed to you. And if they just walk away, Paul says, hey, it's okay. It's okay. I know some of you guys have unbelieving spouses and you're married. Um, and if they choose to walk away, let them walk away. Right? Paul says you're free. You're free from that. to the single people, to the people who have, um, who where your husband or your wife have left, Paul encourages you to remain single. Okay. Like we said last week, you could do so much more for the expansion of the glory of God. Single peeps, I, I hope you're really listening to these, this series um, and understanding that marriage, though it's the one of the pinnacles of the expression of what Jesus did for us on the cross, it's not everything. Marriage is not the end goal in this life. Sex is not the end goal in this life. It's to glorify God and to be an example of reconciliation looks like. To bring hostile people who don't know Jesus, right, to bring them together. That's the goal. To make Jesus known. Um, so let's review, right? Allowance for divorce is only adultery if you got cheated on uh, and if you got deserted by an unbelieving spouse. Right? And here are the four answers, right? Here are the four answers to the questions that we went through today, um, right? Yes, yes, abuse can be, right? What should I do with a spouse who doesn't love Jesus? Stay with them unless they want to leave. Guys, my hope, before you guys leave, um, if you are a divorced woman or a man, right, that you understand that Jesus loves you. I'm sure you fought for your marriage. I'm sure you really did. I'm sure you have fought for your ex-spouse to be with you, and if they didn't want to be with you again, and they cheated on you, I'm so sorry. But God understands you. 
He wants you. He loves you. And if you're in your second marriage, stay in that marriage. But you know the two reasons why you should leave. But stay. Fight for it. As Jesus fought for us. The sole motivation in all of this is to fight, to be an example of what Jesus did for us. Uh, Single peeps, I I really hope you really pay attention. um, That when you do meet someone, okay, that you really think and pray through, hey, is this someone I can be with forever? Until death. Until death do us part. For us husbands, we got lucky with our wives. Wives, you got lucky too. Right, you got lucky with your husbands. Um, and so, let me pray for us. God, um, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 7, 17. He says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned him to. That the Lord has assigned him to. God, I I pray for our people, whether we're divorced, single, second marriage, that we will live out that calling that you have called us to. God, I know this topic is not easy. I think West Michigan, um, around every corner, there's a divorced woman or a man. But God, you give us hope. beyond the whole marriage stuff, beyond all all of that stuff. God, you are the ultimate reconciler. When we couldn't reconcile with, with other people, you could do it. You were the better thing. You were the better Savior. God, I pray, Lord, um, that we could put ourselves uh, in light of your perfection and your goodness and your graciousness God, that we really see who we are. Yes, we're failures. Yes, we don't fight hard enough. Yes, we have cheated. We have been cheated on. Whatever all that stuff is, in light of what Jesus ultimately did on the cross, we are forgiven. We are your sons and your daughters. So, God, I just pray um, that we leave this place, God, um, with hope, with no shame, with no guilt, but a renewed commitment to just striving to glorify who Jesus is. Thank you for being gracious, forgiving, and good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.